when I find a property that doesn't work well as a, a rental, it's just, it, you know, I can take it on as a flip and it's those work out so much better than when you've got this pressure that you've got to do four to five deals a month. And so yeah. you start taking on these deals that you really in, you know, any other situation you would not take on. Yeah. Um, Something so. you would never recommend somebody else do. If you looked at the numbers and they only wanted to do one yeah. that year, like you'd go, no, don't do this. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for being here again on the show. Well, you're not on the show, you're listening to the show. It's close enough, right? It feels like you're on the show, hopefully. Hopefully we make it feel that way, but thank you for being here. Thanks for taking a minute and spending it with me. Thanks for choosing us. So it's very cool. If you've never done that before, if this is your first episode with me listening to this show, uh, then welcome and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get everything out of it you're hoping to get. I hope it delivers on everything that you expected it to be. Uh, if you've been here before, if you're a multi-time listener, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, if you would take a moment to give me a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen, that would be awesome, but uh, not required. You can stay anyway. So today I've got a good one, guys. I'm excited. I've got somebody on the show who's a fellow podcaster. Uh, I have been on his show before. He, it was a lot of fun, and I could tell he was a smart, good guy, and I invited him to come on this show because I thought it would be a very valuable interview for you guys to hear. So uh, I do... I do have him on. I got him on. He agreed to do it. Uh, his name is Kirby Atwell. And after serving as an officer in the U.S. Army from 2005 to 2011, Kirby left the military to pursue his passions as a full-time entrepreneur, launching and scaling two different real estate investment companies in succession. He also is the host of the popular podcast, Living Off Rentals. Kirby holds a BA from the United States Military Academy at West Point and an MBA in real estate finance from the University of Illinois, Chicago. While in the military, Kirby served as a platoon leader, executive officer, aide de camp to the commanding general of the 94th AAMDC and commander of the ANTPY. To Homeland Defense Radar Site in, uh, I'm going to say if I see if I can say this right, uh, Shiriki, Japan, in Shiriki, Japan. So, anyways, super accomplished guy. I mean, just reading that's impressive as heck, right? Went to West Point. He got his MBA from the University of Chicago or, or University of Illinois, Chicago. Um, just an incredible, impressive person who's also very grounded, very smart, and shared a ton on this episode. So without any further ado, guys, I give you Kirby Atwell. All right, Kirby, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, this is good. I can't wait to dive in. I always do my research and make sure I, I'm at least educated to talk to whoever I'm talking to so I can kind of have intelligent conversations about what they're up to. And uh, I love a couple things. Uh, and we'll get into them and I want to kind of get into your background, but some of the things you're into, I, I just, I love, I love it because I can't say it enough. I, I really enjoy talking to successful, smart people, but I really enjoy talking to good people who are also successful and smart. And I, I think you're definitely one of the good ones and we'll get into why <laughs> I think that, but before we do that, let's swing back the, the hands of time a little bit and let's talk about pre real estate. What were you up to? Why did you get into real estate? Yeah. Good question. So, uh, I actually have, I, I've probably not, 
a very common path into real estate, but uh, I always wanted to be in the military. And so I went to West Point uh, when I graduated from high school in 2000. And I graduated uh, from West Point in 2005, and uh, I was commissioned as an officer in the Army. So uh, shortly after that, um, I, and I always had an entrepreneurial itch. So I wanted to serve because most of the men in my family had served in the military, but I knew long term I was going to it wasn't going to be a career. I was just going to serve. And then I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I didn't know what that looked like. My mom had owned her own insurance company. And so I kind of saw what that was and how, you know, the harder she worked, the more she made, you know, and that really appealed to me. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I picked up rich dad, poor dad, like probably a million other people who are listening to this right now. And, uh, you know, I just was hooked. I, I was 23. This was 2006, uh, a year out of college. And I was like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Uh, and so a week later, I was living with a couple of buddies in El Paso, Texas. I was, I was stationed down at Fort Bliss. And a week later, the house across the street went up for sale. And in 2006, if a house goes up for sale, it's got multiple offers in like five seconds. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I saw the sign and never bought a house before. So I walked across the street to these people's house and I said, I, I see this sign that you want to sell like, can I buy your house? And they're like, yeah, sure. They're like, we haven't even set a price yet, but, um, you know, once we do, we'll let you know. I said, well, let me know. Cause I'll buy it. So, uh, so I bought it for like 101,000. It was just a stable, you know, how not much equity in it. It was just, yeah. you know, it was a good learning experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm glad I was in El Paso and not in like California at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. So I bought a couple properties. Um, and then I got stationed in Hawaii, bought another one. And then I got out in 2011 and I decided that I was going to do this full time and just not really knowing what I was doing. I didn't have any financing, uh, because I had no job anymore. So I, you know, I didn't qualify for traditional financing. Right. And, uh, I partnered with a buddy of mine and his wife from, from high school. Uh, and we just started flipping houses around Chicago and, uh, and that's, that's kind of where it started. He provided the, the, the capital for that then I assume that was yeah, his part. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he was more of the finance guy and I was more of the find the deals and line up the contractors. Okay. That makes sense. I love a great little, uh, little tidbit that there <laughs> in your first house, it went for sale and I'm assuming you're, you know, this is pretty much how it went. You went over there and just said, Hey, I want to buy your house. Right. Yeah, no, no yeah. like strategies, no, like all these things that people, you know, like you just said, I want to buy your house. And they're like, mm, okay, like here's the price. And you're like, mm, okay. Like I'm sure yeah. there was some kind of back and forth, but it, it just goes, my point is people make, like they get so stressed out about all of the things and all these techniques for talking to sellers and, you know, creating rapport and don't mention a price and blah, 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 blah. All these things that people freak out about. It's yeah. like, you just went over there and said, I want to buy your house. Right? Like it doesn't yeah. always work that way, but just do it. Like don't, freak out like yeah. just do it don't spend so much time worrying about all the things that could happen and i don't have enough skills and i'm not a salesperson. man just say i want to buy your house so i love that um so you worked with your partner started flipping houses that what the model was at the time flipping houses yeah yeah that's like and i was really attracted to the buy and hold model yeah uh, i knew that's what i wanted to do but i thought i have to flip you know i, I where am i going to get money to just keep buying property so right. uh so we started flipping one and then we started doing a a few and then we brought on a few team members and we got an office and then we realized it, I always call it the flipping treadmill we jumped on, you know, and yeah. it's like this, this perpetual, 
um, machine that you just keep feeding. And so, you know, we were doing a few at a time and it was okay. We weren't making much money. Um, so we thought, well, let's scale it. Let's do higher end homes. Let's do more properties. Let's bring on more team members so we can get more deals. Yep. And, um, it, it you know, it, at our height in 2015, 2016, uh, we were doing 22 deals at a time, you know, some wow. under contract to purchase some on, under rehab and then some on the back end to sell. And we had a staff of 13 team members and, you know, we had this model where we had to get five to four to five new projects every month Mm -hmm. in order to just basically keep this machine going. And then at the end of the day, I I look up and I'm like, my bank account has not grown one penny since we started this thing. Everyone else keeps getting paid and I am sitting here um, and and the owners are kind of just driving this machine and, and it's not it's not creating what I got into this for. And yeah. that was financial freedom. Yeah. So, so that's when I, I, I changed my strategy in 2016. Gotcha. That's yeah, that's huge. And, um, you know, I was on your show a few days back and I think we hit this topic a little bit, you know, scaling isn't for everybody and scaling sometimes means like you said, you, it sounds like you kind of built this monster that needed to eat, but really you could have been doing double the amount of deals and it wouldn't have changed anything from a, like what's in your bank account kind of a thing. It was like you were, mm-hmm. you were working to feed the beast and that wasn't really increasing your net worth and your free time, I'm sure. And, and there was a lot of headaches that go along with having 13 people on your team. Trust me, I've had 13 people on my team yeah. in the past. Uh, <laughs> it's not a cakewalk, right? It, there's some challenges there. So <clears throat> I was going to ask you, you answered the question already, how well, I, I guess I didn't ask it and you didn't quite answer it, but I know you did it from 2006, at least to 2015. Are you still flipping houses? And if so, what does it look like? And if not, why not? Um, so, so yes, to answer your question, I am flipping houses just very opportunistically. And yeah. um, for people who have not flipped before, there is a massive difference between having to do four to five new deals every month to survive and just taking the cream of the crop flips here and there because you've yeah. got a crew that's already doing <clears throat> renovations on, on our rental properties. I'm, yeah. you know, my primary focus is the Burr strategy where I'm buying, uh, refinance or buying, rehabbing, renting, and then refinancing. Right. Yeah. So I've got the, the, a great contractor now after I've gone through, you know, a hundred terrible contractors, yep. uh, I've got a great one ready to do the renovation. So when I find a property that doesn't work well as a, a rental, it's just, it, you know, I can take it on as a flip and it's those work out so much better than when you've got this pressure that you've got to do four to five deals a month. And so you start taking on these deals that you really in, you know, any other situation you would not take on. Yeah. Um, Something you would never recommend somebody else do. If you looked at the numbers and they only wanted to do one that year, like you'd go, no, don't do this. Yeah. You're talking yourself into it and it's like, oh, yeah. best case scenario, we could do this and it never works out best case scenario. Yeah. So let's, let's for a second, let's dig into the, um, I'm actually, I'm looking at a note I wrote. I want to ask this before we get off of the flipping thing. When you put, I, I put a note here, but it's sold to partners. And when it comes to your, your flipping business, did you get out of that business? I mean, you're still flipping. Yeah. I know that, but did you get out of the original business? Yeah. Yeah. So in 2016, I, you know, like I said, I, I realized I'm not getting closer to my goal of financial freedom. You know, I want to have passive income that's exceeding 
my, my needs on a monthly basis. And this is not getting me anywhere closer after five years of flipping over 70 properties. I'm nowhere closer. So I approached my partners and we talked about it for a while and we're still really good friends. And I just said, you know, this doesn't, this isn't working for me. I, I want to do rentals. And I discovered this model um, that's, that's a voucher. It's called HUD VAS, HUD VASH voucher. And okay. uh, the VA provides these VASH vouchers to uh, homeless veterans. And, and so it's like a section eight, but it's for homeless veterans and being a veteran myself, I discovered this and I thought, you know, this is a great niche. I, I feel like I'm going to have rapport with you know, some these tenants, mm -hmm. uh, more than just a typical property manager would. And so yeah. I really dug into it and I figured out all the components, how it works, all the paperwork that's required. And, uh, I built a business around it and I found out that there's three suburbs in the South suburbs of Chicago that pay <clears throat> a really high rent compared to the purchase price. Okay. And part of that is because most people won't rent to a homeless veteran. They turn them away immediately because on paper they do not qualify yeah. based on normal rental standards. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I got to know the people that run the program and they would, you know, send veterans over that needed a, a house and, and it worked really well for, for a while. And so, um, so I took up that model and my partners bought me out of the flipping Okay. Business. Just out of curiosity, we didn't mention the name of the flipping business that you got out, you sold out of or whatever, but mm -hmm. are they still operating? Is it still going yeah. okay for them? Yeah. So they wanted to keep going and uh, it's, it's called Eye Candy Homes okay. uh, and they uh, are in Florida and in Chicago. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's cool. So again, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're getting into why I said I, I like talking to good people and, and you're a good person. I mean, the homeless vet, obviously you're a vet yourself. It's close to your heart. You know, people don't think about those kind of niches sometimes because, you know, it's like it, it, we're in a very turn and burn industry sometimes where people mm -hmm. just like high profits, high, you know, it's like yeah. you, you took on something that caused you a little bit more research in the beginning and there's paperwork, like you said, I'm sure there's some hurdles that are unique to that. Um, and there's some certain inherent risk with anything you do, but you did that because, you know, basically you're a vet. These guys are homeless and it, and it made sense. And like you said, you, you have a little more rapport with them. It's just a cool thing to do. I mean, you're, you still have rentals. You're still making money. It's still business, but why not do something awesome like that? If you're going to, if you're going to do rentals, right? So, um, why, okay, let's talk about the, the, the Burr strategy a little bit. What does it look like? Let's just talk to someone who's never done it. Okay. Let's take mm -hmm. this come up from a real like newbie kind of a point of view. Okay. I buy a house. Um, however I buy it, I guess it doesn't really matter. I renovate it. That's straightforward, right? We just kind of mm -hmm. do some sort of a level of flip to it. Maybe a little, I don't know what you do at quality, but maybe a rental type flip and then you rent it. Now the refinance part. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess you don't refinance out 100%. In other words, you buy a house for 80, you put 20 into it, you're in it to it for 100. When you refinance it, what does it look like? What are, what are, the, what yeah. are the rules that you, go, you, know, that you have to follow when that comes to that part of it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, to answer your question, on the first, most of the VASH ones that I was doing, um, because I, I was really um, hands-on when it came to finding just great deals, I, you know, I was putting up bandit signs. I was really scouring for off-market deals, the cream of the crop deals. And so I was buying them really inexpensive and then I would renovate them. And then when it came time to refinance the bank that I was using, I, I was using a local bank um, called First National Bank of Brookfield. Um, and they would give me uh, commercial loans. So they would say, just package to get, once you have three or four of these done, we'll just package them together. We'll cross collateralize it. So it's one loan 
for 75% of the appraised value of all four. So if they each appraises for a hundred grand, we'll give you a $300,000 loan. That's, you know, there's a mortgage on each one of these, but it's the same loan. It's a $300,000 loan. So, um, so in the beginning, you know, I was finding such great deals that I was actually able to not only get all my money out, but they were giving me extra money on top of that. Okay. And okay. I still had 25% equity in the property. So, you know, if I bought one for 50, put 20 into it, maybe it would appraise for 130, 140. And I could uh, pull out all my 70,000 plus another 10,000 or something like that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so that's, it's hard to do, you know, th- those are like the, the um, holy grail, I think of, yeah. of rental property of bird properties, you know, most people need to leave some money into it, but the intent is that you're leaving very little into it. And most of the time you can get about 75% of the value of the house. And so, okay. um, so yeah, so I think it, um, that, that strategy has worked well. And now, um, I think that the demand for those HUD VASH, uh, vouchers has, has waned quite a bit. Uh, okay. I haven't been approached as much by, uh, veterans. And so I, I transitioned my strategy to mostly doing short-term rentals. Now that's really where I'm focused and in, okay. in the Northwest Indiana area. Uh, and so it works really well. That birth strategy works really well with short-term rentals because the rent's really high too. So you can get all your money out and you're getting this really juiced up rent because you know, it's short term. It's so more management intensive. But. That's interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that you did that. So you're saying you can get the, you kind of said two things at once. And I want to make sure I'm not, nobody's getting confused. Sure. <laughs> like I think I am right now. You said they, the rent is really high so you can get all your money out, but that the rent, does the rent have anything to do with the money you get out? It doesn't. No, sorry. I, I might've. No, that's um, okay. That's no, it's probably it, yeah, me. Trust me. But I just want to make sure I understand short-term rentals. You mean Airbnb? Is that what you mean? Like that kind of a model? Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So, so I'm doing the exact same thing, the Burr method. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. The refinance is just based on the value of the property. Um, but then once I get my money out, then I'm still getting really high cash flow. So mm-hmm. it's like yeah. the best of both worlds. I always advise people, don't just shoot for like an average rental, figure out strategies like the, the HUD bash or like, um, Airbnb mm-hmm. where you can really juice up your, your rents and make it a, a much better than average deal so that you're yeah. not just buying a turnkey property and waiting the next 30 years to hopefully, you know, make some money on it. So what's happening? Did you say Northwest Indiana is where you're doing this? Mm-hmm. What's happening in Northwest Indiana that makes it good for Airbnb? Why did you pick there? Yeah, several, several reasons. Okay. Uh, one of which is actually not what's happening in Northwest Indiana, but what's happening in Illinois. Okay. And that is that it's just falling apart at the seams, just absolutely <laughs> terrible. And I can't, uh, I can't express that enough. Um, I'm from there. <laughs> I get the feeling you have a lot more that you could say about that subject. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it pains me because yeah. the whole time I'm in the army, I, I was telling all my friends about how great Chicago is and how I'm going to go back there. Yeah. And I moved back to, to Chicago land area and I wanted to start my business there and my family's there. And it was just, you know, I, like, I feel like I'm, probably the type of person that maybe Illinois would want to come back and and run a business. Mm -hmm. And then you get back and you're just hit with just terrible decision-making and corruption. I mean, the corruption in in the politics is just so terrible. And so, um, you know, I'm, we're paying about one fifth to one sixth 
the uh, the taxes here in Indiana that, that I was paying on the same wow. properties over there. And it's just insane. Um, and so it's, it's almost like they're incentivizing people to leave, um, as much as possible. And so there's this mass exodus from Chicago cause I can live here and I can still go to the city. I yeah. can, uh, you know, I work at a nonprofit in the city. So I go there, you know, usually at least once or twice a week. Um, and you know, it's an hour away. So it's, it's sort of like I'm in a suburb of Chicago, but I get all the benefits of living in Indiana, which it, it's just a much better quality of life. Yeah. So. So I'm sorry. So that's one aspect. And then, um, you know, I live right near Michigan city, which is right on Lake Michigan. There's, uh, sort of a a more upscale casino here. There's a outlet mall. There's, um, the beach here, there's a zoo, there's all these attractions that there's wineries all over that, that really draw people to this area. So it's a really great place for a B and B because you've got Chicago, you've got Michigan and Indianapolis, and it's just a few hour drive. So Uh, so it's, it's worked out pretty good. So there's a decent amount of tourism and like vacations and things like that happening in that area. It sounds like, okay, cool. It's funny. Yeah. You say that, boy, I, I just didn't realize, I guess I, I didn't do enough research. I didn't realize you were doing so much short-term rental stuff in that you transitioned. I spoke to someone who does Airbnb stuff, like, like literally earlier today, I interviewed somebody, <laughs> um, which is weird, but, uh, and their thing was like always, you know, like in vacation areas. Cause I, I the question I asked her and, and I'll, I'll ask you too. So, the Airbnb thing is so enticing. Two two questions, actually. A, sh- a short question, maybe a longer answer one. But the shorter question is, how has uh, COVID affected that? I've heard that the Airbnb uh, short-term rental market has been ravaged by, obviously, by what's happening. Have you experienced that? Or has there been a real, like, lull in the business? Uh, so it's it's a newer model for me. So I'm not deeply into it yet. Okay. Um, I've just got a couple properties. Uh, so it, it didn't really affect me heavily. Okay. Um, like it did some people who have like 20 of these properties, but yeah, it, it's very different. Also like everyone lumps Airbnbs together, but if you own a, you know, a coastal Airbnb, say in, you know, San Diego or Miami, yeah. you know, where people have to really fly in, like I would go visit that Airbnb and I'd fly there. Um, I think they're really suffering and yeah. also the, the cost there is so much higher. So they're getting a lot more rent, but they have to, uh, you know, pay this pretty significant mortgage. Whereas here the costs, I mean, I'm all in for right around a hundred thousand dollars for my purchase and rehab. So it's wow. very, uh, inexpensive that, which is another draw and the taxes are super low. So my, my debt service is almost non-existent. It is non-existent on some of them. Um, and then it's very low on the rest. Uh, and then, you know, and so rents aren't, aren't super high, but on the weekends, you know, right now in the summer, I'm renting them for about 150 a night. And then during the week, it's about a hundred a night. So, okay. um, so, you know, I, it, I, on average throughout the year and, and people rent all year long cause they come for different, different reasons. Uh, but on average, it, it'll probably work out to about 2000 a month as opposed to a thousand a month that I'd get in long-term rental. Yeah, definitely. Now are these rentals like in like, I'm a, I'm picturing like a quaint little town near water mm-hmm. and some stuff. It's not like some big metropolis or something. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's I mean, it's, it's a city, like the city was built in like the mid to late 1800s and it was a big industrial town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's decent size, but it's you're, you're the way you described it is, is pretty much correct. It's okay. kind of a quaint area. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, you know, close to the beach. 
Okay, gotcha. Now, are these just out of curiosity? Because again, I'm super interested. My thing has always been, my hangup has always been. It's in my head. I think is that it has to be like on the water, and it has to be this prime location. Like, are your houses on normal like streets or subdivisions, or are they actually like right on the beach? They're not right on the beach. So in Michigan City, the houses on the beach are a million dollars. Yeah. Um, but then I just bought the last two houses that I bought are one is probably four to five blocks from the beach, maybe a little bit more, maybe six blocks. The other one is probably 10 blocks from the okay. beach. Um, but you know, it's a short drive to yeah. the beach, maybe like two miles from the beach. Right. Um, and, uh, I bought the last two for 39,000 and 40,000 a piece. Um, and it's there, one's a three bedroom, one's a four bedroom. They both needed to be rehabbed, but yeah. you know, they're, they're 1500 square foot houses, nothing, no, you know, the rehab was, uh, 50,000 on one of them and, and about 60,000 on the other. So, okay. you know, so again, I'm, I'm all into them for about a hundred thousand yeah. plus furnishings cost me about 7,000 bucks okay. to furnish the, the properties. So. Right. That's awesome. That's so cool. And that you're right. Like that, it's crazy to think that for that little house, $30,000 house ends up being a hundred thousand all in, you're getting $2,000 in rent. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. insane. Now, are you managing the, yourself or do you have a management company that helps you with that? Right now I'm doing it myself. Okay. Uh, and actually I'm leaning heavily on my wife to do it because okay. I, so when you so say you're doing it, it's like, yeah. hey, we're doing it as a team. Yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. We we do a lot of things at my house too that I'm <laughs> not really good at doing. Um, that's yeah. cool, man. That's a cool transition, and it's something I've I've man I I've thought about it a lot. My problem is I keep like saying yes to a lot of things, and I know I need to cut back on the things. But um, that's something I want to explore next year for sure. And I was curious, the, the whole COVID thing, like how is that affecting you? I know mm-hmm. uh, you you're right. The people have to fly in destinations, like you know, heaven forbid you had one in Hawaii or something where people actually yeah. have to get on a plane and fly for four hours, six hours, whatever. Um, that's crazy, but that that's really, really cool. So you mentioned briefly uh, that you go into the city to work for a nonprofit. Let's talk about that for mm-hmm. a minute because this is phase two of like, Kirby's a great guy. I want to, I want to talk about this a little <laughs> bit because it's a, it's a cool thing. Um, let's, let's talk. What is it that you go in? What is a nonprofit? What, what does it do? Yeah, it probably feels like I'm jumping around and doing a lot of different things, but there is, this is over the last like 10 years. So, yeah. um, so the, the nonprofit is called Bunker Labs um, okay. and it, it helps veterans start and grow businesses. Uh, and so I was starting and growing my business in 2014 when Bunker Labs started here in Chicago. Uh, and so I, um, I found out about it through a, another veteran who's a friend of mine and I really had no interaction with veterans from 2011 to 2014. I was just like, I am done with the military. I've had enough. I yeah. want my civilian identity back. And so I didn't seek it out at all. But then I found out about this, this organization and showed up and I was part of this first cohort to go through it. And it was just the founder bringing in all these resources, you know, lenders and, uh, venture capitalists and entrepreneurs who had sold their companies. And, uh, and so it was a mastermind like once a week and, and I learned so much and it helped me, uh, with my business. And so I stayed connected over the years. And then after I transitioned from flipping to the rental model, I, I found that I had a lot more time. I wasn't managing 13 people. I, uh, I was able to do it almost as a part-time job. Um, and it was way more profitable too. (laughs) So, uh, the founder of, of bunker labs approached me around that time and said, Hey, I need a COO. He said, we're growing, we're in 12 cities. 
we want to be in all 50 states. Can you come on and, and help me with this? And so I, I said, yeah, I said, this, this aligns well with what I'm doing and um, what I'm all about. And so, uh, so I came on as a COO and then uh, transitioned to CFO about a year and a half later. So, so right now I'm CFO of that organization and we've got 36 different chapters and cities across the u.s and so if you're a veteran and you're you want to start a business just look it up it's bunkerlabs.org and um, it's all free resources that's awesome and by the way I, I it doesn't sound like you're jumping all over i mean there's a definite pattern and there's a definite theme to what you're up to and i, I think it's really really cool man i thanks you know and if you're going to jump all over like you know doing something that's selfless nonprofit, that you're helping people it's awesome but in the spirit of jumping all over i do want to jump back for a minute to your rentals <laughs> because i remembered something i want to ask you and i thought of it um so when you were doing your flipping and, and you were doing, you had 20 going at one time in various stages of, of being finished, you had 13 people. Just out of curiosity, because it's like a two-part question, what were you doing to find deals then to kind of feed that kind of a machine? What was happening mm -hmm. in your business to get that kind of volume? Yeah. Yeah. Very different, um, back then than, than now, but, uh, we were doing a lot of yellow letters and postcards. Uh, so okay. our budget was, at our peak, I think we we're spending somewhere between 20 to 25,000 a month, uh, yep. on mailers and, um, and, and the, you know, it, it, that it can, that can work really well. I think we just didn't have great systems yeah. and we didn't have, we didn't train our people really well to receive all of those, that incoming, those incoming leads. And so what I started to recognize though, is that these leads were much harder to convert. They were people that I was pursuing. Yeah. And so they were calling me saying, Hey, I got your yellow letter. What are you going to give me for my house? Mm -hmm. You know, I want top dollar basically. Yep. And, and so they, they weren't super motivated. And so we'd spend all this time trying to convert people that we shouldn't have been converting in the first place. And yeah. so then when I went to um, the Burr method and I, I started my, my rental business, um, I started going back to what we initially started with, which was bandit signs. And I realized totally different. The, the, the sellers that call you from bandit signs are people that don't want to list on the MLS, extremely motivated. They're willing to pick up the phone and call on yeah. a sign. And they were, you know, I got way less leads, but I converted so many more of them. And, and so since it was just me, I had no overhead. Yeah. Um, I didn't need a ton of leads. My goal was one, one new deal a month. And so, um, it worked really well for me, uh, for a while. And, and then I figured out that I could do that online really with Facebook, um, Facebook ads. It's really kind of like a bandit sign that it's online and it's targeted. And so that's what I'm doing now. Okay. That, that's great. I was going to ask you what you're doing now. So you're not doing physical bandit signs anymore then, or are you still right. doing that? Okay. You're not doing that. I haven't done that in, a, in probably over a year or so. Okay. Is, is, is Facebook strictly your strategy at this point? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get, you know, you'll get one-off deals from a realtor from attorney or something that, yeah. that you have a relationship with, but, um, that's the only marketing that I put out. I've got a thousand dollar a month budget. I've got a buddy who I went to West point with who charges me 300 bucks a month because he's doing this for himself and for a few others. And, uh, he does all my ads for me and they're strictly targeted at Northwest Indiana. Um, and it brings in probably around 20 leads a month for me. Um, and you know, and if I can convert again, like one a month out of that, I'm fine. That pays for the marketing easily. Okay. And, and 
you know, and so I'm very picky and choosy with those and I should get better about like converting or uh, referring out the ones that, that don't work for me as, as deals. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the only marketing that I'm doing right now. Okay. So when you say just, I don't want to nitpick, but I'm, I'm sort of a marketing like uh, nerd. So when you say mm -hmm. 20 leads, is that 20, just 20, any kind of response from the, from the, the Facebook ads, or is that 20 people who raise their hands and say, I want to sell my house? Like, please talk to me. It's 20 people who fill out the form. So the ad okay. directs them to my website. I use a carrot site, um, yep. which is a, you know, a, a pretty big one for real estate investors. It's like a pre-made one. Yep. Um, and so if you go to greenvethomes.com, there's the, the form is right there and it speaks mm -hmm. to sellers. And then, so I'll get about 20 people who fill out either the first form, which is just their name and email or the second, you know, it takes them then to a second form and yeah. maybe half fill out the second form, which is, you know, the detailed information about their property. Yep. And if they go that route, then they're pretty motivated. I mean, it takes yeah. a lot to get a person to fill out a form. <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like I, I hate it, but I, I would fill it out if I needed it. So you spent, you have a buddy that does this for like 300 bucks a month. He does your ads for you. So mm -hmm. that's your, that's your marketing budget. Is that right? It's 1300 bucks. Yeah. 1300. Yeah. Like that's insane. Right. Especially going yeah. from 25,000. And I, I've been there too. I've spent, you know, up, up to 30,000 a month on marketing consistently for a long time. I know what that beast is like. Um, awesome, man. There's, that's, there, I mean, there's, and there's a lot of people too that like would say that I'm dumb. I'm leaving money on the table. Like, you know, do the 20,000 and you can get more deals. It, it's very, you got, this is where you got to really figure out who you are yeah. as a person. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, I am all about like freedom. That's, that's like what my, I don't know if you call it love language is, but like, that's why <laughs> I do this, you know? So I don't really have a desire to, to have a massive company and have millions coming in and millions going out. I want to have a small, highly profitable company that, um, that, I have a pulse on very high quality of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's just kind of a, a personal decision. All right. Two, two, one question, one point, never tell your wife that your love language is freedom because that probably won't go over well. I love that though. That's awesome, man. I know what you mean though. I hear you. So, so let's make all the people who maybe are saying you're dumb because you're leaving money on the table. Let's, yeah. let's put them in their place a little bit. How much time do you spend in your real estate business each week? Um, it's so hard to say. Cause I, 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 I mean, I, I work on it a lot, but it's, I also have a podcast. I have a YouTube channel. Forget um, all that. Like, like maintaining yeah. your rentals. Oh, how much time? Very little, very little. I've got a contract. I, we went to Miami for the month of March. Um, and we started a project the day we, right before we left. Um, and I came back and it was pretty much done and he just did, you know, FaceTime walkthroughs while I'm sitting at the pool. You yeah. Know? So it, it's very little time intensive in terms yep. of the real estate stuff. So there you yeah. go. Right. It's like, yeah, you could continue to do $25,000 in marketing and you're going to spend, I'm sure you were spending all your time doing that. Like I'm sure that yeah. consumed your life. Right. So now mm -hmm. you have your life back, which is really when people leave their nine to fives or have this dream of entrepreneurship, they don't dream of working 80 hours a week. That's not the dream, whether you're bringing in a million and spending 990,000, you know what I mean? Of that million, like that's not the dream. The dream is to have free time and have a lifestyle. So I think it's awesome, man. I think it's cool. I don't think you're dumb at all. I, like you said, it's about what you want. Now, if you want to go through that, 
that ringer of building a big business. And and some, by the way, some people we have we know people in common. We, there's people who do that and they love it and they're successful at it and they like mm-hmm. leading and training and and bringing up and building their team. That's great, you know. But if it's not, it's not. And and you shouldn't try to be that if you're not. And but by the way, you'll be frustrated if you want that big monster and you end up you know doing a little lifestyle, couple of deals here and there. Like you'll go crazy because you'll you'll yeah. look at other businesses with envy and you shouldn't do that. You should just go for that model. So. I think it's awesome, man. People, the, the goal is really to figure out what you really want. That's the goal, right? Yeah. Don't look at what somebody else has and just say, I probably want what they have. Like, no, figure out what you really want. Sometimes you'll figure it out after you do it. You figured it out after you did it. You probably thought you wanted that beast that you were building until you got oh. it. And you're like, this isn't what I want. It's such a great point. I mean, the whole first five years of, of flipping, you know, it was all based on vanity. I mean, it, it was really like I was doing what I thought on, on social media success looked like, yeah. you know, and, and we were getting all kinds of feedback that, that we were super successful. So, yeah. you know, we, you know, people saw our marketing everywhere. People saw the before and afters of these, you know, high end properties that we were doing. And they were like, wow, you're, you're so successful. And I, you know, I was like, well, why, has my bank account not changed that, right. you know, at the end of the day. And that's not the only measure of success, but there's gotta be a financial component to it. Right. And so then when I switched, nobody even knows who I am anymore. Like it's like the, my company isn't out there like it was before. I yeah. have no overhead. I work out of my house, but it's all profit. You know, right. at the end of the day, I'm not paying anyone else other than some contractors that do very specific things. So. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I think it's great. I think that's a great place to end it because I think it's really putting a fine point and a very clear message out there of do do what you want to do, but ultimately don't be afraid to change if you're not happy. If your time is gone and there's the money is not necessarily there, like and you're not happy, like stop doing it. Just stop doing it, mm-hmm. right? We only get one shot at this for the most part. So let's make it a good one. Um, awesome. So let's tell people where they can find you, the projects you're working on that you want them to know about and maybe reach out if, if there's a way they can get involved in help or support in any way. How can people do that? Yeah. Um, so I, I want have wanted to start a, a podcast uh, for a long time. Um, and I wish I would have started back when you started yours. Uh, and you know, I, this year I committed to doing it. So I've got this, this podcast and really the YouTube page is I think, um, a better way to consume it because it's more visual and I've got a lot more video solo videos on there. Um, but living off rentals, if you just search it on, on YouTube, you can find it there. And I've got a, a bunch of videos and a bunch of freebies. And, and one of them is this, organizational system that I put together, um, because I was finding that I I was saving stuff and having to recreate it all the time. And it started off very, um, organized and then, you know, your digital files, as you (laughs) do more and more deals, you've got stuff everywhere. So I finally just created this 10 folder system where I know where everything is in five seconds, I can put my finger on it. And, and there's subfolders that go with it. So I've got a diagram that, that shows how it's all laid out. I've got a video that explains it and walks you through it. So, um, so that's there. If, uh, if people want, it, it's all free. I, I, where can um, they find that, that, that specific giveaway, where can they find that? Um, so it's it, the, the link to it is in the video that explains it on YouTube. Okay. Um, okay. But they can also, yeah, they can also just directly download it. Um, 
I think there's a link on the website, but I'm not sure if it's okay. up yet. That's uh, cool. So. No, I'm gonna. I was yeah. gonna say before. I know you're not done, but I want to tell people I didn't know you had the YouTube channel until today. I was kind of doing some digging. It's awesome. It's a great channel. Like I, I subscribe Thanks. to it because I'm like all of every video is something I personally would love to hear your opinion. I want to hear how you're doing things. And that this giveaway, this that you're talking about, this organizational system is the next one I'm gonna watch because I want to see it. So Thank people you. should check that out. Appreciate it. And your podcast is awesome. I was on it. You do a great job. It's a great podcast, super informative. So yeah, man, I love it. I love what you're up to. I love the giving back portion of it because like I said, man, like, you know, especially with everything that's going on now, and I don't want to dig into that, but like just doing good things for people and trying to help the world a little bit and not make it worse, just make it a little bit better. It's all we can really do. So, and you're doing that. So good on you, man. Thanks. And I got some very uh, positive feedback from your episode too, from the uh, Facebook live. So good. Um, good. So if you want to check out a, a, a interview with Mike, I know he's always on the other end of the uh, microphone, but if you want to find out more about Mike, check that out on the living off rentals podcast. Totally. All right, man, listen, I appreciate your time. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like there here in Michigan. It's beautiful. You're in a similar area. I don't know if it's nice there. It looks like if I'm seeing, that's not, is that a Zoom background? That's your background, right? That's what yeah, you were. Okay. Nice I was going to say, I didn't think it was a Zoom. It's Nowadays, a you never know, but it looks like <laughs> yeah. it's nice out where you are too. So I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being so transparent and open with everybody. I really appreciate it, man. You're a good dude. I wish you nothing, nothing but success and freedom, free time. I know that's a love <laughs> language. So I want to be on your good side. So tons of freedom to you and success, man. Thanks, Mike. I really All right. appreciate it, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. All, right. All right, guys. Another good one in the bag. That was fun. I really enjoyed talking to Kirby. Like I said during the episode, I was on his show uh, a little while back, and I could tell he was a great guy. But once I started digging a little bit more into his story so he could be on this show, I realized what a giver he is, uh, what a genuinely good guy who just knows what he wants, right? He knows he wants this business that affords him a little bit more free time for his personal life and really to pursue other things like this nonprofit that he's working with and and uh, you know giving homeless vets some place to live and his rentals like just a good guy with with a good head on his shoulders smart guy and just a giver man and I, just good people I say it all the time but you're gonna keep hearing it if you don't like it sorry man I like talking to people that are highly successful highly smart really good, good people. And that's what we got again today with Kirby. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope he inspired you. Maybe he even changed your mind a little bit on what you thought you wanted out of this business and the kind of business you thought you wanted by looking at social media and seeing people talk about these huge businesses. So if you don't want that, that's great. You shouldn't go for that, but figure out what you want and go for that. But the only thing that's ever going to make a difference, the only thing that's going to move the needle, the only thing that's going to get you closer to what you really want out of life is if you just start. So just start. Make today the day that you start. I say this every time. I think some of you hear it. It goes in one ear out the other, but I'm telling you, you have to start. Get out there and make today the best day. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. You're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, 
Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over 100 a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12-month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start, as two words now, just start to the number 5544. So text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back. And that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.